Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity profession brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. And now, here's your host, Claire Kumar, NAPO member since 2010. Hi, and welcome back to NAPO Standout, your podcast around bettering your business in the organizing and productivity industry. As always, I'm Claire Kumar, productivity coach, and so thrilled to be your host. Today, I'm really excited because I'm exploring a topic, or we're exploring a topic today that has been part of our life for over a decade now. I can imagine most of you have social media embedded somehow in your business. I can tell you when I heard TikTok come on the scene, I was curious about it, but also had this great feeling of overwhelm, like, oh no, do I have to learn something else? How can I make this part of my business? And then more recently, when Clubhouse came on, it's an audio platform you may have heard of. I thought, oh no, there's another one. I have some kind of, you know, sense that I can only divide my time so far. So I was curious about TikTok, and in my conversations with our guest today, Leslie Hatch-Gale, who I've been working with on the podcast for the past few months, and which has been an absolute delight, I learned she was using TikTok. So I got curious, and I went in, and I thought, oh, I'm going to look at this thing. I turned it on, and I was immediately overwhelmed. It was videos and music and things flooding at me, and I freaked out because I couldn't figure out how to turn it off. I was like, ah, I absolutely froze. I had to turn my phone off because I intuitively could not figure it out how to turn it off. I've progressed since then. And I follow Leslie Hatchgale on TikTok now. Why? And why is Leslie here today? Well, Leslie has taken off. She's been a phenomenon on TikTok. And I thought it was really interesting for us to learn from her journey, not my journey on TikTok. It was a complete disaster, but Leslie's journey. And she's, you know, literally now when we talk almost every week, and I'll start with what happened on TikTok this week? What went viral? What's the latest news? And of course, she had some kickoff great news, which we'll get to a little bit later. But that's why Leslie's here today. Let me give you a little formal introduction to Leslie. Leslie Hatchgale joined NAPO in 2010, the same year I did, so we've been around quite a while. She started her business, Declare Order. And of course, I love that name, Declare Order. She's volunteered for many years for NAPO, for NAPO Chicago in particular in marketing and professional development. She serves now, right this moment, as NAPO's marketing committee chair, and she's also an instructor with NAPO University. Right now, what really fascinates me about Leslie, though, she's also pursuing a PhD in community psychology. So you're in for a treat. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you, Claire. It's very fun to be here today. Yeah, I'm just, I'm so used to talking to you on Tuesdays when we're recording this too. So right. this feels like just, you know, we're putting on a pair of comfortable slippers and we're going to hang out and we're going to dive into this topic of TikTok. And I hope you listeners out there will maybe jump in on social media on our different platforms. We're not on TikTok, Napo. So, but you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, I believe as well. So you can find us in all the places. Let us know and maybe we'll start a little thread. Put on your TikTok handle if you're there, and maybe we can check each other out and follow you. But my first question to you, Leslie, is tell us how 
And maybe more importantly, why? Why did you embrace TikTok? What drew you to it and, and what brought you here? So my origin, TikTok origin story is not one of anything to do with my business. It was more just curiosity. I was downtown one day going to meet a friend an hour west of Chicago. So I was at Millennium Park hanging out by the bean. And I saw this man run under one of the fountains that's usually used for the kids to run under. And it's a grown man standing under there and he's dripping wet. And another man comes up and he's filming him and he has a TikTok t-shirt on. And then these preteen kids come running up and they're like wanting autographs. And I thought, what on earth is this? I, I had a cursory awareness of TikTok, but this was October of 2019. So I hadn't really understood what it was and it made me really curious. So later that night, I downloaded the app and I found, actually found the video of the guy under the fountain and they had done some fancy reverse footage. So the water was flowing upwards. And once I was in, I was kind of hooked because you automatically have videos. You don't have to go follow people to figure out what the content is. It's all right there for you already. So you didn't freak out and get overwhelmed and just like, <laughs> ah, like I'm paralyzed with fear like I did. You were like, this is interesting and it's easy. Yes. Mm, cool. Yeah, I found Right. I found it an interesting way to learn more about people that weren't like me, but I didn't know that at first. At first, I thought it was just people dancing and there's music and trends. But the longer I was on it, the more the algorithm curated the content to things I was interested in. And I discovered there was a lot of different conversations. And then I tried making little videos and I did a couple little dancing things with music and no one ever really saw them. And I didn't have any followers, but I loved being part of the community and watching other people. And then the pandemic hit. So then I was doing that kind of instead of watching TV. So I didn't so much get into Netflix series as I did. Well, let me go watch TikTok for an hour because it was kind of like reality TV because you're jumping back into people's experiences. And I found that really interesting because I do. I'm more of a reality TV kind of person or documentary. Amazing. Well, I've you're like the only person I follow properly on TikTok. I get announcements. Leslie's posted again. It's quite Fantastic. But I do see other people TikTok feeds come through Instagram sometimes. I don't I don't know all the places. They might come through Facebook too, I'm not sure, but Instagram for sure. So I've seen a little bit more of it. And it does seem like an incredible place for creativity that has been buried. Maybe there wasn't this maybe there was with YouTube, but it I don't know. There's something different about TikTok. And tell us a little bit more about maybe the platform itself and why you think it's taken off or what makes it so compelling a place for you to be creating content. Well, for me, it was simply there was no overhead. The videos don't have to be stylized. They can just be you being authentic. So I didn't want to make the commitment to buying equipment to do a YouTube channel, although I did feel pressure as part of being a solopreneur, you know, that I should have a YouTube channel, but it, I didn't necessarily want to do all that learning. So TikTok, I didn't have to do any of that. And I didn't have to go purchase anything. And still to this day, for those of you that think, oh my gosh, I have to go do this. I don't have a ring light. I don't have special audio equipment. It's just me and my phone and knowing where the lighting is good. <laughs> right. Finding right. out what window to be next to, because I want to at least, you know, be clear on camera. So yeah, that. so quality matters, but you don't have to spend money to achieve that quality. You have to work with what you've got, essentially, is, is an, there's an opportunity right. in that. And, yeah. and understand when people are commenting back on your videos, using that to understand what they want to see. 
So I don't have to, I love that I don't have to spend a lot of time coming up with the content because they're telling me, oh, I do this, or oh, I have a question, or how do you become an organizer? And so I talk about NAPO in posts from time to time when I tell people, I do little one minute videos about how to be a professional organizer. About once a month, that question comes up again. And so I'll make another one because that's the other thing the content, you make it all the time. You said I come up in your notifications all the time. You make content and it, just kind of goes into the abyss over a period of time. And it becomes this collection of content that people, when they first find you, they go watch all your videos maybe, but you can start remaking them because the newer followers haven't seen it or the older followers kind of forget. And so it's okay to repurpose some of that old thing, like every once in a while saying how you become an organizer. So it's easy to create content then. Tell me a bit more about that. Well, what is a unique feature of TikTok is you can reply to a video comment with a video. So if someone comments on my content, then I have all of a sudden another bit of content. And if it's a popular video, I have three days worth of content. So I don't have to make as much content as it might seem because the content makes itself by the interest of your followers. And why wouldn't you do that? I mean, they're the ones that are supporting the platform and that is what they're interested in. So I've learned a lot about what people want to know from mm. being on the platform. Yeah, so you're learning about your target market all the time, what's riveting and what what they're looking for, and then you're dancing with them away in, in creation. So then I guess their followers would see it and it kind of grows from there? Right, when I'm replying to a comment, then then they get tagged in it. And I don't know how the algorithm works, but obviously their followers must see some of that on occasion and it keeps the conversation going. It's things that I wish that I could say to my own clients that I don't always get to. Most of my content is kind of how to help people with their impulse shopping. That seems to be really popular. Basically, you're out there saying, don't buy this, right? I thought I had to make traditional organizing content with the before and after photos. And that's not really my style. That's not really my client base. And that's not what I wanted to make. And so I didn't make that. And then I ended up with a following because there's not a lot of people out there teaching other people how to resist impulse buys in the store. We have the minimalists who are saying you don't want to want that. Right, right, right. And then the organizing, get organized with the home edit that are saying buy this, buy this, buy this in order to get organized. But no one's teaching you how to not have so much stuff. And so I think that's why it was provocative and why the channel, as some people call it, a channel or page took off. Yeah. So a couple of things jumping into my mind. Yeah. It's a little bit like Instagram in that if I come to your page, I can see your history, your body of work. So I could binge watch Leslie right, if I wanted to. And while we're on that, let's just make sure listeners out there understand how to find you. If, for example, you might want to scroll along in Leslie's feed right now on TikTok to understand what we're talking about. Should have done this right at the top. But let's let's um, can you share your handle? Do you call it a handle in TikTok? Sure. It's at declare order. At declare order. Declare or all one word. Okay. That's what I am on everywhere on platforms. Right. So sometimes people want to know how to spell that, but it's D-E-C-L-A-R-E-O-R-D-E-R, -E -E yep. declare order. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. And so people have a look along while we're talking about this, because it'll bring this whole conversation more to life for you, as you see. Is there a particular post 
Can you like, first of all, can you search by date? There's the organizing question to me, or do, it goes chronologically back in time. If I'm looking at your feed, it goes chronologically back in time. Okay. Right? So and yeah, it's so, hard to organize more than that. That's fine. Right. That's fine. So it's like Instagram <laughs> like that, mm-hmm. but people aren't doing the tattoo, like checkerboard thing that people were doing in Instagram for a while. <laughs> it's like, it's just, it, there's, I get the feeling, like you said, there's less formality more on authenticity, less formality, a real openness to a huge variety of expression here. One question I have just to paint the picture for people is, okay, October, 2019, it's when you see the guy in Millennium Park and your journey till now, can you give us a sense of, you know, when was it that you got active? Was that night you got curious? When did you start to go, oh, I got something to say and something's happening here for me. Give us a little bit of a sense of that and the growth you, you've seen. So because I was a fan of the platform and because I was on there often enough, I understood how it worked. And I accidentally made a post about a year later. It was September of 2020. And it's a long story that I won't get into now, but my camera wasn't really working on my phone, but I wanted to document an experience that I had at early voting in Illinois. And the TikTok app was working. I knew that for some reason. I could record on TikTok, but my camera wasn't working. So I used the TikTok app to make some little memories for myself of this experience I was having waiting in this line with everyone with masks on to vote that day, the first day that voting opened. And at the end of the day, I thought, well, that didn't turn out so bad. And I clipped, edited a little bit and added a little caption and people really hadn't seen early voting lines. There was something new. There was something that was interesting to people. Oh, wow, people are waiting two hours in line to vote. And it took off. So because I was a student of the platform, I understood that this was my opportunity. And I had to figure out what I wanted to say because I had attention and I had gone from 50 followers to you know 5,000 followers. And I started putting out content that I was putting out on Facebook Live which was about the home edit show and and talking about that. I was already talking about that. So I went to the container store, filmed a little bit in the container store because TikTok, you can do 15 seconds or a minute. And I just put a whole bunch of content out over a period of about a week. And it just, that's when it really took off and it went 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 followers. And suddenly I had a little platform that was self-sustainable because people were responding to me and then I could respond to their comments. Amazing. So it was a real happy accident. You really did stumble <laughs> right. into this with your right. phone not working. But I also understood how the platform worked too. I mean, exactly. I think that something to do with. Yeah. Well, it was a year of incubation, mm-hmm. right? That you were then poised. So luck, eh, it's for the prepared, right? When your luck takes off, it's because you were prepared for that luck. So that's brilliant. So can you share or do you want to share how many followers you have now? Or do you, or is it like Instagram where we don't share that now? Or how, how does that work? Oh, I can share 127,000 now. Yeah. And wow. it keeps track of the likes for some reason. So that's in like 1.3 million likes that have come across on videos and the interesting thing about it is after a while, it just levels off. And then if I have a video that does really well, then boom, 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 we get a bunch of new followers. But if I put out content like I did the other day where I was talking about my vaccination, then I lost a few followers. So it's very volatile that way because people don't want to see what they don't want to see and they will just unfollow. 
Interesting. Yeah. So it's going to have a different culture, the social media platform as well. Interesting. Okay. So we're, you mentioned that you liked being part of the community and I want to just connect this. If there's any connection to your PhD in community psychology that you're developing, as you, you look at the TikTok environment as a community, help me understand a little bit more about your perspective on that. Oh, I think that that definitely plays into it because I'm very interested in how individuals are interacting with society and how a community functions. And that's something that I've obviously gone on to pursue to learn more about. And my business is going to kind of pivot to program evaluation and looking at, at ways to help communities from the ground up. And TikTok is just a little slice of life in that way for me. I see a lot of stories about resilience because that's what I watch all the way through. And so I learn more about different parts of the country that I didn't know about. Fantastic. It's like anthropological research tool, right? Yeah, love right. it. And you're like reality TV, but on the phone. I love that. And so we've talked about, I think, some of why you love the platform. Is there anything you want to add as to why you're drawn to it? Are you addicted to the technology now? <laughs> Is there something that like the dopamine hit of people responding, it pulls you back into it? Or what, tell me more about your love. And I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not meaning to tease you. Right. No, <laughs> I'd be lying if I said it wasn't really helpful. If you're on Facebook and you make a post and one person likes it, it doesn't really make you want to go back and do another post. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, so that's where TikTok, most of my community is. And it feels a bit flat a lot of the time. And on there, the feedback is immediate. Yeah. And they're giving you their opinion and they're asking questions. And so it's, it's very motivating in that way. For me, what I had to decide was, is this something I want to monetize? And because it was unexpected, I didn't have a business plan for it, it was more something I was doing for entertainment. And then, like you said, I sort of fell into being able to be a responsible creator and put out information that people wanted. And I made a, I do make a little bit of money from the app, which is different from some other apps. You do get a little bit of money here and there, depending on if you have a good week. Yeah. But give us a little bit more than step into for the business ears perking up mm -hmm. now, which is why we're talking about this, actually, because the reason that I thought it would be a great topic for listeners is because it's new and interesting and because I was paralyzed with fear when I, when I first started <laughs> using it. And I've heard of some of the things you've done. I thought, well, there's an opportunity here for other people in the industry to take a look at it as a form of self-expression and business development. So I'd love to dig into now, what has it done for your business? How do you look at it? What other potential do you think there might be for you with it? So other organizers might use it as a way to showcase their skills and put out that you can hire them. But I chose not to put that pressure on myself because I liked the app. So for me, it's a way to showcase my expertise. And I was asked to be in an article talking about organizing because of that. And the person found me on TikTok, you know, that kind of thing. People contact me maybe for a consultation or apartment therapy ran one of my TikToks in their social media. And so I see the opportunity there to build this presence or this platform for myself as an expert. And I think it will lend itself as I'm putting together the ideas. It's more would lend itself to like a recent guest you had, Leslie Giselle, with webinars. Mm -hmm. And when I get to yeah. a certain point that I have this body of content, I could turn it into an educational webinar 
rather than trying to get clients from it. Where other organizers might be very successful using it to get clients, there are other NAPO members on it. So, Hang on a second. Are you planning on selling this educational webinar? Yes. That would imply you have clients. <laughs> so, so just to get really clear, that means mm-hmm. you're productizing it eventually. But I'm curious about this because does that mean in your mind you'll change the kind of content you're creating there or you'll be just reaching out to these people and and using it as a lead magnet to get them to, like, can you click on something and then enroll in a webinar, for example? Right. Well, it's helping me understand what would be successful as a webinar, what people would be willing to pay money for. And I'm also a writer, so it's motivating to put out a workbook or put out some kind of I have things that I've been working on, but it's caused me to change the trajectory and the theme of some of the things I'm working on. So because it was kind of unexpected, I didn't have an idea, but now as, as it's got some staying power and it's been like six months or so, Mm -hmm. I'm starting to say, okay, maybe there are ways to monetize this that won't compromise what I've built on the platform. So people can still just absorb my content without feeling like I'm selling them something. Because that's important to me. I like to be an educator at heart. So, Well, it sounds to me like you've been serving people with messages that have been really resonating with millions of people. So that's really powerful. And now you're, there's an invitation to go a little bit deeper from somebody who they've already built a trusting relationship with because you're there in video. They feel like they know you already. Right. And someone I know in person told me that. She said, I would buy whatever you put out at this point because I trust what you're saying but I might want to have it in my hands. And so that feedback is really helpful. Yeah. So you can step into that without feeling salesy, cheesy. This this is stepping into (laughs) service, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It's giving people a connection to act further in a way that they are wanting to. So I think go for it, sister. That's, That's amazing. So you mentioned that people have reached out to you for virtual organizing help. Like the pandemic has been great for really lifting the the belief that we can do things virtually. So that's huge. What else has come from the TikTok experience? Oh, just fun. (laughs) (laughs) But wasn't there a speaking opportunity too? Oh, I forgot about that Uh one. Thank you for reminding me. I put that in the list, didn't I? Mm -hmm. Uh, Right. I was, it was Hollister International and they do for their employees different events during the week that they can come and virtually attend. And it's sort of a stress reliever time. And because of the app, someone found me on the app and that was her job was to procure speakers for these. And she went to TikTok. Well, that's just where she was. She was already there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I love it. Love so it. That was really fun. Thank so you for reminding this me. This is where my mindset needs to shift probably. So, you know, I deal mostly with corporate clients and I, I know some of my market is there, but I have the question, should I be just on LinkedIn or should I be looking at this medium, which I'm still intimidated about? I have to incubate a whole lot more, but who's there demographically? So, you know, a business who's like, oh, this sounds really good, but I don't know if my people are there. Who's there from what you've seen in the early days when you weren't getting, you know, getting fed more of just what you wanted to see? Right. I think the bulk of my followers, I looked it up yesterday, it's like 79% United States. There's a little bit Australia, England, and Canada, mm-hmm. and then 80 some percent are female. Mm-hmm. And it, because I do a lot of videos inside of Target, I'm reaching younger people too. And I can tell because of how they comment. So I have a range that I don't know what shows up in their algorithm, mm-hmm. but I know whenever I put a Target video out, that's showing up because it gets a lot more views and it ends up on the for you page. 
But the woman that, for example, who worked at Hollister, that was just her job as an executive assistant to find programming. So it's not necessarily the CEO that's on TikTok, but the person or the person who hired someone to write an article using me, she was on it and saw it and called so-and-so. And so it's a network. And the people that are really in it deeper than just teenagers dancing, they understand that and they know if they want to find something, use a hashtag. It's very big on hashtags there. I haven't mentioned that at all. But if you wanted to find book talk, you know, or looking for literary agents, they're on there. They have platforms just like me and they're dispensing advice. So you can find just about any little global community that interests you and be a part of that little global community on that topic. I'm starting to warm up to this TikTok. Let me tell you, the more I learn about it through you, the more I am, I still don't know how I'm going to fit it in my day. And I'm afraid, I'm maybe a little afraid I'm going to like it, but maybe that'll mean a shift from something else then. Because it does sound, does sound like a lot of fun. Has there ever been a time where you've been just so engrossed in it that you're like, oh no, it's taking too much time. I need to, I need to do less of this. Has that ever come up for you? Yes. It has. And I have screen time limits on my phone and it is a pandemic. So I give myself some grace in that regard, but definitely in January or so when it was really, (laughs) it was zero degrees here, not going anywhere. And I did a month long series on getting rid of items every day, a whole series on that. And so I was committed to making these videos on a particular topic every day. And so I was using the app a lot to film and then to gauge reaction and to answer questions. And so, uh, yeah, I did need to go ahead and look at screen time usage <laughs> and curb that a little bit. But, you know, I have the discipline to do that. And that was fine. I think and it was January. And what else were you going to do? Right? <laughs> well, you know, the neat thing is, from my perspective, because I like to have, I'm not so zen that I can make the mandala and just clear away the sand and go, that was great. I like to have something to show for my time and effort. And you do, you have a body of work afterwards. So, and what I like is it's easy for people to come and digest it. I mean, I could do 50,000 blog posts, but the visual nature of the way it's served up is like Instagram. And you see, you can see the different posts. And do you do anything special to visually mark them so that there's a topic title on it or something to to make it stand out so you can tell them apart or guide your, from an organizing perspective, guide your viewers to find something or is it hashtags or how do you help people find things or or yourself? What do you do do in that regard? Yeah, you have the ability to put titles on. So whenever I'm doing a video that's responding to a question, I put the title on it and it says, ask the organizer. Okay. So if someone's just looking for me responding to questions, they can go and look at that. Or if I'm talking about hoarding, or if I'm talking about something that's got me deep in thought, I try not to, like right now I have my glasses on and I've taken them off for effect for those of you listening on the podcast, but I will do a video outside without my glasses on so that those people watching will know to expect something different than if I'm polished and have my glasses and I'm speaking right to the camera in a very forward way, you're probably going to get some organizing advice from me. And then if uh-huh, I'm in so your target, tone is you're you're, yeah. you're changing the tone mm-hmm. and presentation. And in target, I don't I'm not in the videos at all. If I'm filming inside Target, uh-huh. I don't put my face on it. It's just this voiceover. 
helping you control impulse buys. So all of my content is different that way. And so if you are looking for only the target videos, they're easy to find because my face isn't there. Smart. I knew that. I knew that was a good question. (laughs) That appeals to my sense of I'm so visually motivated, especially in terms of finding information. I love that. That's thoughtful for the viewer, the listener, right? So that is cool. Is there anything you want to share with people who might be thinking of getting into TikTok and have some hesitation? Is there, what would you say, you know, to do first if you're thinking of getting into that space? Right. Well, my bio on TikTok says, ready, fire, aim, instead of ready, aim, fire. And I had that in my bio when I started, it isn't something new that I put there. And I think that's really what you have to do is not be so worried about the aim of the video. Don't worry about getting the ring light. Don't worry about saying the right thing. Just ready, fire. And then as you go along, if you want to go back and aim to a certain kind of follower, aim to a certain kind of content, once you understand what is resonating with people, then you can do that. And definitely if something goes viral, you know, take that as an opportunity to make a bunch of videos in a row and keep people there and interested in you. And you can go viral. That's the scary part. You can go viral for just about anything. You just don't know what it's going to be. And all of a sudden people have opinions about what you're saying, which is one of my videos that has like 3 million views. People were not agreeing with what I said, but it helped to catapult my platform. So you have to have, you know, strong sense of who you are too. So, yeah, a bit of a thick skin. I remember, skin, yeah. I think it was 2010 when I was in one of the very early Facebook campaigns for a hardware store in Canada. And, you know, you look at Facebook and all of a sudden my picture was there really big and they were doing a contest with it as well. And I think we had about, this is way back in 2010. So we had about 7,500 people respond to it, 2,500 questions. 2,500 meaningless comments, 2,500, your shirt could be more organized. Do you know you have cavities? Like, like it was, (laughs) it was somewhat brutal. Mm -hmm. So I learned very quickly at that point that, oh, social media is a kind of, it's a mixed place. And basically you do you and then you read at your own risk and be prepared because yeah, it's, so you get, you know, you're if you have a post with 3 million views, how do you handle dealing with that volume of comments? Did you quickly get over feeling like you needed to respond to them all? Or <laughs> Well, anyone that's ever had viral content on any kind of platform may have noticed that after a certain amount, and I want to do research to find out what that amount is, the comments stop coming to the creator. They stop saying, hey, could you tell me this? Or I disagree with you. And it goes into third person. Yes, and yes, yes, yes. saying she do you see how she did her hair? People don't say that. They're very kind to me, but I'm using your example. You know, do you see? (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Remember back to the cavities. Did you see how she didn't get those gray fillings changed? (laughs) I don't get to, I don't tend to get personally attacked, but I like that container. I don't know what she's talking about. I have the 20 of those containers. And once it hits she, I stop. I don't worry Ah, about it because I feel like the comments. They're no longer expecting you. Right. It's a separate entity. They understand it. I understand it. They are talking about whatever they want to talk about separate from what the actual content is. Well, and I think, honestly, that's the community piece of it. You realize you're adding a spark (laughs) to a conversation that was already going on. 
and you can watch it and learn from it. It's, I love it. I've just created this Facebook community recently for the highly sensitive professionals out there. And I'm watching it grow and I'm wanting to nurture this kind of communication between members. And it's, it's in the low numbers so far, but it's, interesting to see what I can do to spark conversation. And then you'll see support happen. And that was the goal for me to create it. And so I love that. But you're right, it does sort of shift because I think people recognize with that many followers, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to respond to all of them too. I do want to share one thing though. I remember being on television back in maybe 2012, 2013 on one of our national shows. And, you know, Dancing with the Stars, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Carson Cressley, I don't know if you know him, but he yes. was in town as a guest on the show. And I had followed him on Twitter back in the day. And I think he had 105,000 followers. And I had made a comment about, I think a store he was shopping at that's Canadian store, but had made it down to Manhattan. And when I approached him and just said, hello at the TV studio, he looked at me and said, I know you from Twitter. And so, and, and, and so, and this is what I'm raising this about because I think even though there could be big numbers, sometimes you still have this ability to connect with someone who's smaller than your baby fingernail in an image. And you can still build memorable connection in this tiny format, which is, which blows me away, which blows me away. People tell me that all the time. You were on my shoulder in the store. I always, I feel like you're with me. I hear your voice in my head when I'm in Target now. And I'm like, ha you know, I've, I've infiltrated now. But yeah. I appreciate when they give me that kind of feedback because I know that it's helping and it gives me the motivation to keep doing it. I love it. Well, I do hope you keep doing it because I'm a fan and I hope everyone listening will check out at Declare Order on Tic Tac and elsewhere. And I hope that you're feeling motivated and inspired to perhaps give it a try. Please reach out to us at the NAPO, all the different social media, NAPO National, and you can find us on the YouTube channel as well, because if you're listening to the YouTube version, you know there's a bonus question coming up, which we saved just for YouTube. So with that, I'm going to wish everyone a great time in social media and in real life, however that's happening for you. I want to encourage you to be safe out there, stay kind to yourself, and really enjoy this journey and give a big thank you to you, Leslie, for joining us for this episode of Stand Out. Thank you. It was fun to be here. That's all for today's episode of Stand Out, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.